everybody for Cryptocurrent. I'm Stephen Miller and you're watching the Aftershock, the show where we bring you the latest and greatest from the world of Web3. Every single Wednesday, I'm joined by my co-host Richard Carthon. Richard, how are you this week? What's up everyone? Overall, I'm doing well. Just came off of a birthday week, so enjoyed that. Uh, but you know, in the regular crypto markets, things are kind of moving flat, which honestly, flat and the based on everything else that's going on, is good. And I'll kind of get into that a little bit later. But uh, again, all in all, uh, I'm good. We got Agni coming up next week. Shout out to everybody that's coming out there. Hope to see you in real life there. Uh, but otherwise, I'm good to go, man. How are you feeling? Man, I'm coming off of a big week last week with the Web3 Expo out in Las Vegas. Um, if you're wondering why we didn't have an aftershock last week, that explains it. Um, but we have clearly a bunch of builders in the space that are really, really getting after it and making some fantastic strides forward in Web3. So for those of you at home that are just following the space and you're not necessarily a builder, there is a lot to look forward to. But if you were just joining us for the very first time, I would like to encourage you to please subscribe over on YouTube and follow the show wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We do these shows every single Wednesday, and we also do our interview series where Richard sits down with some of the top thought leaders in the space every Monday. Um, but without much further ado, I think we're going to get into the reason why we're all here today. And that, of course, is the Aftershock. Let's jump in. The Aftershock. At the top of the Web3 lightning round this week, Rich, we've got Google now accepting multiple cryptocurrencies as a payment method for its cloud services. Now, this is a probably the biggest highlight in the last week. Let's be honest. There is no bigger Web2 entity than Google. And the fact that they're willing to integrate with cryptocurrencies for payment is no small thing. The fact they've started, you know, rolling out gradually through Android, now they're bringing in the biggest part of their business. It's a pretty good sign. How do you read this story? Oh, it's a really good sign. Um, and you're starting to continue to see builders building and preparing for what's to come. And Google, one of the biggest players out there, um, allowing for cryptocurrencies is payment. Uh, after you've already seen PayPal and some of these other big players start to find ways for payments to be accepted in crypto, it's a good time to be building all this out. So very bullish news. And again, even though we're in these bearish times, there's a ton of bullish news that's still coming out left and right. And I think this is a really, really big one. Yeah, I'm really encouraged by this one. And I think it's only a matter of time before we start seeing the likes of Apple coming out of the woodwork. And even Amazon, you know, saying that they're willing to take your, uh, you know, hard-earned cryptocurrencies for web services through AWS. But time will tell on that one. We're going to move ahead, though, to our next story, which is coming to us this week, courtesy of Uniswap. So Uniswap, if you're not familiar, is a decentralized exchange built on Ethereum. I believe they now interoperate with a couple of different networks. But Uniswap itself, the larger entity has just successfully raised $165 million additional dollars um, to help get them through the bear market and also to set them up for success into the future. What do you see coming from Uniswap next? Because I think that a lot of people are still underestimating the power of that exchange. Um, is this potentially more so building reserves for a battle with the SEC? How do you see it being implemented? I think they're trying to find a way to scale without having to take 
straight revenues away from their bottom line. Back in the peak of 2020, 2021, they were making millions of dollars in profit like each week, which is wild to think about. And you got to imagine that with that, they probably, you know, have been building to grow the team, to get out there even more, keep adding more and more um, new cryptos onto their decks, etc. And now that things have slowed down, they could tap into reserves, but if they want to survive and test time and people know based on how profitable they've been in the, the back and in the past that they can raise this much money and probably not have to give up too much of the company. It's, I think it's a smart play for them to give them extended runway and to keep scaling up from where they've been. I think it's a good business operation um, decision. So I think it's a, yeah. yeah. If, if I didn't lean into it enough to give you the hint of where I think that they're, you know, doing this raise from, I really do think it's to defend against the SEC. Um, yeah. There have been a number of stories across the last year, you may remember them, uh, where the SEC was really, really, really very vocal about the fact that they plan on it going after some of these decentralized exchanges. And honestly, it's just getting really tired, Right. I think that we're all getting really tired of hearing about the SEC and the drama. And we need regulation now. We need regulation to, you know, further outline for them, hey, this is not fair play for you guys. You need to stay in your lane. And I think Gary just wants to regulate everything, you know, but with an iron fist. Because I've got a feeling that Janet Yellen has a lot more to say to Gary behind the scenes than, you know, Hester Pierce ever did. You know what I mean? So let's go ahead forward. Um, I think there's a couple other really interesting stories in the lightning round today. This is one that I think we're going to start to see even more of roll out globally. We brought you a story a couple weeks ago um, where we were talking about Japan rolling out identification cards as NFTs. Now we have another um, player in the APAC region that is stepping in and executing a very similar strategy. That, of course, is South Korea, who's announced they're launching blockchain-based IDs via its citizens' phones. Now, there are a couple issues that I see with this, Rich. The biggest of which has to do with privacy and maintaining of that ID and so that it doesn't get stolen. But how do you personally view this? Because I would probably be a little bit skeptical if I was the typical reader. I read this as where all of this is eventually headed. So when you look at IDs, if when you look at different ways people are trying to monitor and by people i mean governments are trying to monitor to an extent uh legally as far as they can their citizens blockchain by far is one of the best ways that they can efficiently and effectively do that uh you look at china and what you know wechat the app has basically become an end-all be-all for everything period um looking at how can you start to have ways to have this identity follow you, not just in the, the physical world, but now this meta world, et, et, et cetera, and, and track all of that different information in a way that is not as um, infringing on privacy. And I think that going this route uh, through someone's phone, having it on blockchain is, is, is a way to do that. Now, I think there has to be a line somewhere between like what is being tracked along the way. Um, 
But even with that, people today don't realize how much information they're giving to Google, to Alexa, to all of these other platforms where they know so much more about you than you think they ever would and how much is being tracked. Like for those who, who don't know, if you have like an Alexa and you speak to them, your voice is recorded. So if you were out somewhere and let's say that your spouse is out and about with someone who shouldn't be there and they're requesting a song or something, you can go back into your profile, into the history and hear that voice and hear what is being done. A lot of people have no idea that that's even being recorded, but it's there. And so getting back to my point of this, I think ultimately this helps with following the identification of things, but there has to be a line of like how much of that data and identification is being followed and is it being followed everywhere? You bring up a lot of good points there, the biggest of which is more of a disclaimer, right? We cannot necessarily downplay how much these audio recording devices are going to tap into our data. The question is, is with these new ID cards and these new blockchain solutions that are being rolled out via citizens' phones, could there be a benefit there, right? Could there be a reclamation of your own personal data? I think the answer is yes. But the question is, is are you, you know, in a country where they're rolling this out from a totalitarian or authoritarian government, or are you, you know, in a democratic state or um, even something like, um, you know, Canada or Britain where it's not necessarily democratic, but it's like the balance between socialism and, and a democracy, right? There's still freedom at play. I would have to say, like, I'm probably a little bit more bullish on this story than most. But it's because I think that you're going to start to see Japan and South Korea become big time leaders, as well as Singapore um, throughout the APAC region when it comes to rolling out these bigger, more meaningful types of ID solutions. So I'm going to keep an eye on this one for you at home so that you can keep you updated. But let's jump into this next story. MasterCard launching a program for financial institutions to offer cryptocurrency trading. Now, there are a lot of big financial, um, what's the word? service providers, right? You've got MasterCard, you've got Visa. There are plenty of others out there. PayPal would probably be among them that are really trying to carve out their stake, right? They really, really, really want to be the premier crypto service provider because if they can get first to market, they're going to be able to carve out a larger chunk. Ethereum's the case, you know, study for that. But for me, I don't know why this really is as big of a deal as it is because I think we've already seen the like chips falling in line for this sort of thing to roll out. Am I misreading this? And is there something more to this story that uh, I guess then meets the eye? Yeah. So the way I look at this is when you think about MasterCard. So typically you don't just have like a straightaway MasterCard. You have a MasterCard that like is paired to something like a Southwest or like a some other big brand. And so these big financial institutions that will reward you with these points or whatever, if you also are starting to deal with like these other banking institutions or any of these other places that either do reward systems or actually let you do other banking type of uh, situations. Now, if they're saying like, hey, I know we give you all these other great things, but also if you want to buy and trade crypto from here, you can do that from here as well. And maybe you even get some of these extra points and rewards too. Now you're incentivizing them to stay on platform, to stay within the brand and to utilize their stuff because like they, they're making money every time you do a transaction. They they probably went and looked at Coinbase's 
uh, proper reports because again they're a publicly traded company so they probably went in there and looked all through their stuff and realized oh my gosh they are making a killing they're charging a premium for regular trades and we can go take some of that market because we already have these people they're having to bring in people brand new that they they've never even talked to before we already have these types of people what if we just flip the switch and now they can trade with us and i think that's the bigger play here and i think it's smart look this really does bring up to me like the big speech that jack maulers had um and jack maulers had a strike for those that are not aware of him um he had a big big presentation at bitcoin 2022 and he was talking about how the credit card systems and the payment rails that we have in you know play currently have not changed in like 80 years right this to me is almost mastercard saying like we heard you jack we're scared shitless about cryptocurrency and we have to get ahead of this otherwise mastercard's going to be a thing of the past probably the right way to read it right yeah, I think that's definitely a way to, to look at it, because as you look at their competitors, the Visas, the American Expresses, the PayPal's, they're embracing it. And MasterCard's kind of just been watching and now they're finally starting to do something. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm going to be watching credit card companies a lot more closely through the next six to eight months. I think you're going to see a lot more coming from them. And uh, hopefully we'll start to see some more progressive moves um, that are embracing blockchain. So let's jump into this final story in the Web3 lightning round today. And this one, it's a bit of a shocker, right? Yeah. I think that you, when you look at the Winklevi, um, that being Cameron uh, Winklevoss and his brother, whose name escapes me at the moment, um, they are the, I would argue, co-directorate of Gemini, which is one of the largest exchanges in the world. Yeah. Now, we don't talk Gemini a lot on this show, and I think it's probably because they just, they're not making headlines as much as they are just successfully accounting for revenue. But Cameron has announced his resignation from Gemini's European directorate. Now, I'm assuming that that's going to mean that he's going to stay on, you know, into the future, at, like as a board of directors member for Gemini, almost in perpetuity. But this comes at a very weird time. Can you elaborate on this story a little bit for us? So the, uh, I believe they're on an investigation right now and they're, they're being looked into and they're having to make a lot of like hard decisions within the, the, the Gemini organization. And it's interesting, like as this is all starting to take place, that he's starting to resign. It's like he's distancing himself from all of this. So that tells me one of two things, either He's got some stuff going on or he knows his brother has something going on and he wants nothing to do with it. So either way, you, you kind of flip that coin. It's it's, it's not a good look. Um, so the timing of it is pretty fishy. And um, yeah, I mean, we'll have to see as more unfolds with this. But like you, you're one of the top two dogs and you're deciding to step aside and not really getting into the weeds of, of the why. Uh, it's kind of fishy. Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a little bit strange. Um, by the way, the other member of the Winklevi twins is Tyler. I don't know why I was trying such a blank on that. But if anything, for those at home that are um, trying to learn something today, it's Tyler and Cameron Winklevoss, um, one of which is still a director at Gemini. But let's jump into last week in the metaverse and get a little bit away from the, um, the drama at Gemini and into the drama with the SEC. So 
in the metaverse last week and across NFTs, there was one story that clearly was like an earthquake. Like there was just, it was causing so much panic. I'm not sure why, personally. I'll get to that. But Board Ape Yacht Club's creators at Yuga Labs um, were announced to be officially under investigation by the SEC. Now, <laughs> this led to a lot of, you know, sell-offs both in the NFT collection and with ApeCoin. But there's a lot of reason, a lot of reason at this stage of the game. It indicates that they're going to be fine. And I think that a lot of people were overreacting. Um, and that that is my personal take with it. When it comes to NFTs and the contracts and how they exist, it's not like the Howey test applies at all, even remotely close. So I'm curious if there's a different angle that the SEC is attacking at with this. But if I'm looking at the opportunity here as an investor and looking at where we are in the bear market, if I have a little bit of liquidity on the side right now, I might be looking at ApeCoin. Now, that is not financial advice. You should know by now, nothing on this show is financial advice. It is financial opinion at best. So Richard, give me your opinion on this story and what you think of the SEC starting its investigation against Board ABI Club and Yuga Labs. So it's interesting. As 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 it relates to ApeCoin, I would be a little bit concerned. As it relates to the apes, their their NFTs, like I I don't think any of those different collections, I, I wouldn't be too worried about that side. But the coin itself, they have incentivized multiple times for people to use that instead of Ethereum or USDC or, or whatever, purely which is formed by Yuga Labs and is 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 trying to be made as a, a currency to, to get better incentives to pay within their ecosystem. And so I think there could be a case for it as it relates to ApeCoin, especially as it's been rolled out directly under Yuga Labs. I don't know. I would need to go and see what the claim is against Yuga Labs because like, you know, the SEC has been pretty finicky as it relates to the, the language of like how they're trying to like legally go about these things. But ApeCoin, I think, is the only thing that they potentially could try to go after because, like, with with the NFTs themselves, good luck. I mean, yeah. Like, I, how do you even, after it's an NFT sold, it's not like they can claim it back. It's not like they can pull it back from whoever then owns it at that point. And it's, it's not like these people who now own these apes are legally liable for whatever they're trying to go and do. So it's it's interesting. To me, the only ground that they have, and I, I honestly don't even think they have a case on ApeCoin, which is which again, you you've made very clear that would be the one place where the Howey test might be able to be applied. To me, that plays a lot closer to the you know category of what would be under the purview of the CFTC, right? That's just my opinion. For what I believe about what they may be under investigation for. Because again, I don't believe the SEC has said anything other than uh, Bored Ape Club's creator at Yuga Labs is under investigation. They've not released any real 
context for what it is they're investigating. It's more so that they're investigating broadly. If there's any one case, and this is speculative, I would say that there's potentially a chance of like violation of the Financial Disclosures Act, which you've seen a number of different celebrities get absolutely hammered by in the last couple of months. And then you also have a potential for um, an investigation for insider trading. Now, this is largely based on speculation, but there have been a lot of conversations I've heard where there's been discussion about whether or not the Board API Club creators took the time to encourage people to trade this and pump it at different times over you know the last six to eight months. Is it true? Is it false? I can tell you this. The SEC is going to find out. They are absolutely going to find out. But I hope for the betterment of the ecosystem that we don't see it actually drop off. I want to see Board Ape go off into the future and be successful and not be hindered by something like the SEC. But I think that's going to take us, you know, plenty off the rails there. Let's jump into the next Board Ape related story. Now, unrelated to what's going on with the SEC, there are two other interesting headlines I think that need to be on your radar. One, several multiple Board Ape NFT thieves were tracked down and arrested in Paris by Interpol. Thought that was a pretty interesting story because again, we're starting to see more law enforcement divisions get engaged and involved as it relates to NFTs. And then on top of that, you have a very interesting story with Artifact. So Artifact being the big time shop um, that is behind CloneX, teasing what they're calling Project Animus. This entire thing, the whole thing with uh, with Artifact suggests that there is potentially going to be a Yuga Labs collaboration upcoming. I'm really bullish about this because I think that seeing two major powerhouses, especially one like Artifact that has Nike backing, jumping into you know a collaboration with Yuga Labs, whether that's in other side or elsewhere, it could spell really big things for the industry. So, Richard, now that you're back, I don't know if we're going to be able to keep you for long because it seems like your signal may be a little bit shot at the moment. Um, why don't you tell me about your opinion on what's going on with Artifact? I think Artifact is continuing to try to find ways to elevate their brand and get more big brands into their ecosystem. That They've, of course, already done big drops, um, I believe, with... Um, Nike and they still have other things that they are trying to continue to evolve into. And I think that them trying to bring the board eight community into their realm is only going to continue to elevate uh, the trajectory that artifact is, is, is creating. And I think that they are one of the stronger brands as far as partnerships go. And I think that's going to continue. So I, I'm I'm not surprised that Artifact continues to find these new opportunities in this space. So, Ridge, I want to throw one at you real quick because I think it's a really interesting observation on this story. Let's just call it us talking total nerd for a second here. Okay. You're, are you aren't you a big fan of the Assassin's Creed series? Hundred percent. Okay, so Artifact is called this project Animus. In the storyline of pretty much all of the Assassin's Creed stories so far, they use what's called an animus. 
right? It's this interface for you to basically go lie down and virtual reality your way into the past to see the experiences of others. Um, Is it far-fetched for me to guess that this is a major VR play that Artifact is trying to make? And they're thinking like, wow, we could be at the absolute forefront of innovation of bringing people into other side um, from a VR standpoint. Is is that too speculative or is that something that we should be talking about here? I think we should talk about it, entertain it purely for a second, because like if they have that kind of intuition to like bring that to the forefront and potentially are able to make even that kind of partnership in the future with like an Assassin's Creed and some of these other major brands and people immediately can pick up and understand like what's happening there, man, that is amazing. Like the, the, the animus for the last over, over a decade, the Assassin's Creed uh, game has been around for an extremely long time. And so for a lot of people in the gaming community, they, they, as soon as you bring up Assassin's Creed and the animus, you know immediately that you can't even go play the Assassin's Creed game or, or be in any of this without the animus. So, I don't think that's too far-fetched. I think that might even be uh, a, a nice little wink-wink, nudge-nudge to the people behind all of this of, of what they're ultimately trying to get to. So, like, I I don't think that's too far-fetched, man. I think that's pretty. I think that's pretty cool. If especially if they really had that intention, man, that's that's awesome. Yeah, that'd be something else. I'm a huge fan of those games. I know that you are as well. Um, the next. The next game looks insane, but we're not here to be a gaming show. We're here to be a show about Web3 and the metaverse, right? So let's jump into the next story and get out of Board API Club. Um, Really simple one here today, and that is for OpenSea. They've officially added an integration where you can now buy, sell, and trade Avalanche NFTs on the platform. And that brings their support to seven chains. So... In terms of being a market leader, not necessarily the market's favorite, I think that OpenSea is staying ahead of the curve and is trying really desperately to maintain their authority as the multi-chain NFT marketplace. Will they at the end of the day? I don't know. I've had a lot of conversations with people both at Web3 Expo this past week and across the space just as peers who all believe that we are headed into a largely segmented marketplace environment, meaning that a lot of these projects are going to start rolling out their own peer-to-peer marketplaces. You're going to see smaller niche marketplaces form. I don't know how to take this story. I really don't. Because I, I think that their intent here is to be the Google of NFT marketplaces. I just don't think they can. I think they're really starting to burn bridges. I think a lot of people are really pissed off at the um, infrastructure there with like the transaction fees that are on top of a royalty. But at the same time, you have another exchange out there in the marketplace right now on in the Solana ecosystem that's just starting to come over to Ethereum in Magic Eden, who just announced optional royalties, which is, it's so bad. Like, that's just so bad. You're completely dishonoring what the creator has asked for by just doing that. Like, the entire point of NFTs for, for especially like artists was for them to be able to collect royalties on post um, post primary sale transactions and secondary volume. It's it's just a middle finger to the artists and the and to the creators, in my opinion. We've talked about that in the past, but when I look at one versus the other, it's hard to say whether or not OpenSea's move here is going to offset 
the negative that Magic Eden has been, you know, I guess started to be taxed for in a social in a social sense. Um, but what do you think about this story? Because I know that Avalanche is picking up steam, and I think there's a lot of really great projects over there that need to be getting more attention. I think OpenSea is being extremely smart with, they are the go-to marketplace for NFTs. A lot of people who are in this space are onboarding someone new. The first place that they typically are brought to is OpenSea. OpenSea has continued to develop and evolve over time. Uh, Back when we thought Coinbase NFT marketplace could come in and take over and it didn't, it, it, it fell on its face. And we were actually seeing a lot of Coinbase's team over there that was building that out unfortunately get laid off and other things like that because of the money that OpenSea was able to make over the last two years, their pockets are deep. They have a huge dev team. They're building all this stuff out. They are trying to make as big of a land grab as possible during this bear market, especially while their pockets are still deep so that whenever things go out on the other side, they can continue to bring it in and hopefully be onboarding as many people from as many ecosystems as possible. So the word that came up for me is greed. Like I, I, I'm not necessarily mad at OpenSea for being greedy in this moment and trying to make as much land grab as possible. Like if, if I was in the business and that was my business, I'd be doing the same thing. Like I, I, I don't, I'm not mad at them. Um, but when Magic Eden did, that's messed up. Like that, that, that is extreme greed, and that is when you burn bridges with people who are helping to build your ecosystem, and you start to get people to stop wanting to grow and build with you and, and recommend you. And that's, that's just a, the worst look. So, yeah. What I will say is there are a lot of reasons to be bullish on it, right? I think that both of these stories, while they have negatives to them, they're very clear indicators that competition is going to almost be like the greatest encouragement that this space can possibly have, right? You have a brand new NFT marketplace platform called Blur.io that should be rolling out this week. Um, if you're not familiar with them, they're a really interesting platform that is backed by Paradigm, really, really big Web3 investment firm. And they're planning on bringing some really pro-level tools to the NFT marketplace game. So they're going to be innovating on top of existing models. It's not just aggregation. So I'm, pr I'm pretty curious about what's going to come down the pipeline here. But even players that have been acquired, like Gem, right? OpenSea acquired them. They're poised to make some really big moves themselves. They're not just going to get absorbed. So I think that's enough about marketplaces at this stage of the game. But it is a really interesting story that we're going to keep an eye on for you. Into our final set, um, I'm going to breeze past this one because we've talked a lot about this across the past couple of weeks. Um, but ENS, which is the Ethereum name service, has formally introduced its .eth sub, uh, subdomain wrapper. This means that if you own an ENS domain, .eth, you can now issue subdomains um, utilizing the firm's like formal wrapper. Um, that means that you can buy, sell, and trade these extensions. It's super easy to use. Um, and there, it opens up a lot of possibilities for builders in the space. But as I said, we're just going to carry on through this one into the next one. Now, we talked about the Build-A-Bear Workshop coming out with their own official NFT collection across the last... Um, I, don't, I don't think it was this past week. I think it was the week before. Yep. And we were pretty stunned. 
right? Like there, it was really impressive to see a company like that thinking so progressively. And I think that we're going to start seeing a lot more of it if this is any indication. So Barbie, yes, that Barbie, uh, not the one that's being played um, by, um, who is it? Margot Robbie and not the Ken that's being played by whoever the hell's playing Ken, but not the movie, Barbie Dolls, the official, you know, toy is rolling out their NFT collection to be released in collaboration with Boss Beauties. I have so much to say about this, but like there's a lot of different conflicts that come to mind initially. So Rich, why don't you take the pro side of it and I will wait and hold my breath um, for the potentially bad news about this. <laughs> so Barbie's been around for generations. Uh, Barbie is evolving with generations and is evolving with changing times uh, and continues to do a really good job marketing to s appeal to the new age of each generation and seeing the future of what NFTs are going to be and working with a really cool organization that is women focused with boss beauties. It sounds like a pretty synergistic collab. So I, I, this makes a lot of sense for me. I think this is the first of other collabs that uh, both Barbie and boss beauties will be able to do with big brands. Uh, but I'll leave it to Steve to talk about the other side. All right, so I'm going to try my best to not go long-winded with this because I can go long in the tooth all day with this story. Barbie is, of course, iconic, right? There are a lot of big-time fans of the Barbie doll, and they've really gone forward, you know, and to the point where, as I was saying at the beginning of this, they have a freaking movie coming out, like a live-action movie. And I don't know how a lot of people are going to be receiving that, but I can tell you this. A lot of people in the NFT game believe that it is truly an attention game. And Boss Beauties, I think in a lot of ways, as much as I truly respect their mission, their vision, their goals in the long term, in the short term, they've absolutely dropped the ball. They're not relating to their, their audience. They're going ahead with these bigger corporate partnerships and they're forgetting about the promises that they've made. They made a big, big move in the last like six to eight weeks where they've been moving forward with this new collection. It's almost a collection expansion in collaboration with DC Comics and Marvel called the Super Boss Beauties or Super BBs. And that collection has been, in my opinion, something of a failure. Because if they had the attention of the space, if they had the attention of their earlier collectors, that collection would be long minted out by now. Okay? In the middle of the bear market, OnChain Monkey came out with their collection extension and successfully minted out. Right now, I think it's been a week and a half since Boss Beauty's um, supers came out, and they only have 3,000 minted. Okay, like, I mean, that's a really bad sign for the attention economy. Um, I hope that they can reverse course on it. I wish them nothing but success in this collaboration because I think it could be a really big deal for onboarding the next generation and onboarding a, a younger generation. But they need to really get this under control from an attention economy perspective and also re reigniting the fervor in their early adopters because their early adopters loved this project. And I, I myself love this project. You know, we, we, we hold assets in this project. I just really want to see them reverse course and really start delivering on the promises that they've made. 
this is a big deal, but that's not to say that they shouldn't be honoring what they've been aiming to do up to this point. So that's kind of my take on it. Which side do you end up falling on? As now that now, now we've heard both sides of the, of the story. One is it from a complete stand back. I'm looking at the whole picture of your typical person who's going to look at this news and look at where things are going. I think that this is both good news for Barbie and for Boss Beauties. Looking at Boss Beauty as a brand and what they're originally going for, they might be going off stream and 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 not staying core to their initial people. But like you said, it's about attention. It's about getting the masses. And you, you, you said it yourself, Barbie is iconic. If you can go take a piece, a piece of that audience to come into this community and really become absolute degens and, and reverence about Boss Beauties, you pretty much absolutely destroy the attention that's already been built at this point for Boss Beauties. The one caveat I will give them and this is a different play entirely, is that this move by Boss Beauties in collaboration with Barbie, I think is a no-brainer for onboarding more women into the space, which we desperately need. Okay, there is a major gender equity issue in this space, and it's something that we need to continue to try to be progressive about. Boss Beauties has long been a leader of that, you know, of that movement of bring more women into Web3. Uh, world of women has been the other, right? I really want to see this be a catalyst. And I think that over time, it will prove to have been just that. But let's go ahead and, and jump forward into our final story of last week in the metaverse. And that is coming back to Cool Cats. We talked about it when they hired their new CEO. He's a former executive from both Recur and Disney. Um, I believe he was a long-term veteran of Disney. And it comes as like not much of a surprise um, to some of us. Cool Cats have officially secured a strategic investment from Animoke Brands. This is a big deal, okay? Animoca is invested heavily in a number of different NFT projects, but they typically only partner with those that have big-time premier blue-chip potential and have actual plans in the background for developing out games. Okay, because Animoca is a big-time gaming company. I would love, love to see them drop a game or find more integrations using Animoca's network with different like children's brands because it's such a kid-friendly project. Um, but what are what am I not talking about that you see out of this project and out of this news? Just you brought it up is the gaming aspect of this, right? So a lot of these NFTs that came out out the gates early and they were purely PFPs, you know, personal like profile pictures and, and, and having like that where it's like a, here's this thing, look how cool it is. And I'm trading it in based on its value of X, Y, Z with, with this, now you have gaming utility and people love playing games. People love being able to go through different metaverses and have real utility around this NFT play. And, and also like you brought up and I'm, uh, and Amoka is only going with these blue chip-esque type of opportunity. So it's almost like a stamp of approval. So it, it it's only fitting that you get a new CEO who has the experiences with partnerships and big partnerships and making things happen and making things happen quickly. And this happens. So needless to say, I, I this is huge news and and I, I continue to be pretty bullish on what is going on over at Cool Cats. 
Yeah, look, I was talking with it. Um, I was talking about this this like overarching you know story arc with Cool Cats uh, with a friend of mine in the space a couple weeks ago, and we were both pretty damn sure that this was an indicator of either a forthcoming merger and acquisition acquisition play or a pretty a, a pretty significant can't talk at the end of a show ever. Um, a pretty significant strategic investment round. Who is it led by? Who nobody knew at the time, right? But the fact that we're seeing Animoca jump in is really encouraging to me. But what's more, it makes me really want a damn cool cat. <laughs> I yeah. it's, it's not a secret, man. Like you and I have talked about it a number of different times. If there's a couple of projects right now out there that really have my attention and really make me want to just spend my non-existent ETH that tends to just disappear out of my wallet. Um, it would be Cool Cats and it would be Doodles and it would be on Chain Monkey. That's where I want to be. Um, I think that those properties have just tremendous upside and it's crazy to me how much they've retraced. Now, Cool Cats was in a much different position than it is today. Is there less upside to gain? Who's to say? But if I'm a speculator and I like the NFT game the way that I do, um, I'd be looking there for sure. Um, but if just out of curiosity, if there were three projects that you you would want to get into right now, if you had the liquid on the side, where would you be putting your putting your um, ETH? Ooh, man! So Cool Cast is one I've been watching extremely heavy uh, for a while now. Um, if I, if, if I had it ready, obviously a Fendenza wouldn't be so bad. Uh, that'd be pretty, pretty sick, but I don't see it retracing as hard as it, as it, as it could. Um, but one that I'm still, you know, feeling pretty good about and continues to like come up with like more and more utility for the community, uh, this Illuminati NFT. Um, and I, I will disclose that I, I, I own one. Um, but just looking at their what they are working on in building, they they continue to keep working and building and, and putting stuff out there. And I think they're probably going to have a ton of other big things to come out. So again, not financial advice. And again, just giving disclaimers on things I I own because I'm not trying to shill. Uh, but those those are the three projects right there. Yeah, this is two friends shooting the shit about what they actually like. So um, that's the way we like to wrap up the show sometimes. Um, but you would know that if you've been tuning in. So if you decided that you want to come back and see us again sometime, subscribe over on YouTube. Give us a follow wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Make sure you like the show over on YouTube and leave us a review either in the comments there or over on your favorite podcast platform. Um, we just appreciate you stopping by. It's been a lot of fun doing the show for you. Um, this is probably our nearly our 50th episode or so of the Aftershock. And uh, we're just going to keep on grinding for you because we want to make sure that we keep you updated with what's going on in the world of Web3. Now, as for what we do over on the interview series, Rich, we've got a number of different um, fantastic interviews lined up in the lead up to AgMe, which again is Austin's going to make it. It's a little uh, conference that we're putting on on October 28th, um, downtown Austin at Speakeasy. Why don't you tell us about who's coming up on the show so we can get people a little bit excited about what's, what they can expect? Absolutely. So we have uh, Gregory Koff, uh, who just came on this show talking about the NFT marketplace. Curios, uh, for any of those uh, people out there 
who learned about Tory Lanez when he dropped his million NFTs and physically sold them. Uh, Curios was the ones that were behind with making that happen. So they're a really cool uh, NFT marketplace that if you're a big brand or even if you're not and you have an idea of how to like turn something that you're doing into an NFT and trying to get it to market quickly, uh, they're a really cool brand to, to look into and, and to work with. Um, and also for all those people who are in DAOs and looking at to potentially trying to create your own DAO, um, for your local city or what what have you um in an upcoming interview we are going to be speaking with uh sam padilla who is with atx dow and we'll talk about the journey of you know being a part of that group and, and helping to launch it so be on the lookout for both of those yep a lot of exciting stuff to come if you want to join us for um the upcoming agme con in downtown austin please do us a favor go over to agme con agmicon.com where you can go ahead and get your ticket. Um, we will be, of course, downtown celebrating and having a whole lot of fun um, that afternoon. Lots of networking opportunities. And then we will be having our official after party with the folks over at WRST Gallery. So a lot of exciting stuff to look forward to. We will keep you posted here, though. Richard, any final words for the folks at home before we sign off? Always appreciate y'all coming. And uh, as always, stay cryptocurrent. Stay cryptocurrent. We'll catch you later. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cryptocurrent. Cryptocurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the Cryptocurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. This show and any other Cryptocurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes. 